Welcome to the Something Quite New podcast from SQN, the integrated marketing communications agency for the technology, automotive and sports sectors. With me, Dan McLaren, on hand to talk you through the week's sports tech events and our look into esports. This week, we were bringing you part one of our December esports panel with ESL UK, Renault F1 and esports team Fnatic. I loved hosting this as we gave a lightning quick tour of esports and the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead. But first, let's get into this week's sports tech news. To start off, well, there was confirmation of the news we shared last week about Spotify potentially buying US podcast network The Ringer. This comes almost exactly one year after their first big move into podcasting with the purchase of Gimlet Media, producers of Startup Podcast, Reply All and many other top shows. It's a huge play for the platform and one that will drive millions of new listeners, mainly from the US, to them and potentially be a good revenue generator as well, with estimates that ad revenue for the last year was around $15 million. Next up, with the announcements of AMD's multi-year contract at Mercedes F1 and McLaren Racing signing of Dark Trace. Technical B2B partnerships have been very much under the spotlight this week. Technology-led relationships, particularly in motorsports and F1, aren't new. But what these announcements highlight is the relevance, importance and power they still play in telling a brand's story. The real value in these partnerships come in how they are activated, with motorsport acting as an incredible testbed and platforms to generate genuinely engaging solution showcases, experiential learning, brilliant online and social content. Now looking in more detail at the deals, Mercedes link up with AMD, coin to sport business, will grant the company visibility on both sides of the cockpit of the team's car, the driver's race suits, team clothing and on data center technologies. More interestingly though, the activation will extend to the team using AMD commercial solutions, including AMD EPYC server processors and AMD Ryzen Pro laptop processors, as it looks to optimise its various work streams. Toto Wolff was quoted as saying, Innovation is at the heart of Formula One. We always try to push the technology boundaries in a hunt for performance. And with McLaren Racing signing a multi-year deal with UK cybersecurity unicorn Darktrace, They'll be utilising its AI cybersecurity technology to improve visibility across its IT estate, from its onboard Internet of Things sensors through to its cloud-based backend. Dartrace CEO Poppy Gustafsson emphasised how they will work with McLaren. As well as attacks that subtly steal, coveted IP are on the rise. We are proud that our technology is being trusted to automatically protect the McLaren team, enabling them to race to the finishing line in the knowledge that their systems are secured by world-leading cyber AI. Finally, there was the announcement last week that a group of national governing bodies, UK Sports, the British Olympic Association and British Paralympic Association have got together to launch an initiative to build a dedicated OTT broadcast solution with over 2,600 hours of footage across 26 sports already secured. Dominic Coles has been appointed the first chair of GB Sports Media. He's got extensive broadcast experience and has spent time with the BBC where he helped secure deals for the FIFA World Cup, Olympics and Formula One, as well as leading their award-winning coverage of the 2012 Olympic Games. In 2014, he joined Discovery Network as EVP of Discovery Northern Europe and was a member of the Executive Committee for Eurosport. Now they just need to find a media partner to build the proposition and help them take it to market. It's been a project that's been two years in the making, but it'll be a little bit longer before we see anything hit the market. As OTT offerings start to dominate and consumer habits continue to evolve, the working together by smaller sports to develop something with mass appeal will be crucial to their survival going forward.
That's this week's news. Now on to the main events where we head back a couple of months to our 18th birthday event at the Ministry of Sound. Last week we finished up our dive into digital disruption in sport, and now we move into the fascinating world of esports, a personal passion of mine. I was lucky to host a panel that included Heather Dower from esports event organiser giant ESL, James Forster from successful UK team Fnatic, and Guillaume Vergnas, who's not a stranger to this podcast, and runs the Renault F1 esports team as well as being involved in the main F1 team too. There have been a multitude of talks about esports at traditional sports conferences as the lines between the two continue to blur. But this whole debate over whether esports is a sport or not is one that keeps coming up. But does anyone within esports actually care? And how are brands getting involved now it's becoming more mainstream? To start off with, I asked Heather Dower how she would explain esports to someone from outside the industry. Um, well, the easy thing is to take them to a, an arena. So that's usually when we sell a deal with someone um, because they <laughs> they see it, they see the raw emotion, they see why we sell out stadiums to thousands of people, cheering and chanting. They see the communities formed. Um, they see the hard work that goes into being a professional player and how that is a lasting impression on the fans and the people that aspire to be them on that big stage. And so the easiest answer is come to an arena and, and spectate it. But you just have to look at its legacy. It's been, it's, although it's a nascent industry, it's been, you know, forming and bubbling under the surface for 20 years. And here we are, we're brushing shoulders with all the great sporting IPs out there and having this conversation of is sport and e-sport the same thing? Well, who knows? And that's something that we're definitely exploring. I don't think it matters. No, and I, I, maybe some other people might I, disagree I, with me. I personally don't think anyone within esports actually cares. Is is it a sport? Is it not a sport? Are they athletes? Are they gamers? What matters is, you know, is there a skill ceiling that you can hit at the very peak level, like there is in traditional sport? Yes. Is there an audience behind it that wants to watch it? Yes. Then there's obviously an opportunity there. Does it matter if there is, is it a sport? Is it an athlete? I don't think it really matters. I'd say, I would argue, you know, I would, I would position it very much as if you consider snooker a sport where you have to have good hand-eye coordination, but more than that, good forward thinking, forward planning around how your opponent plays, what's available on the table, then yes, I would consider it a sport. But really, I don't think anyone matters, cares about the semantics. Yeah, I think, you know, you, sport is sport, e-sport is e-sport. Let's, let's just... I mean, um, it's for teams, you know, they've got like, they are competing on 10 games, 11 games for, and the community is so different uh, from one game to another. Mm. Um, There are as well, you know, similarities Mm. between the real sport and esports. We are training esports teams with physio, Mm. uh, with uh, nutrition, we are using data uh, to uh, analyze strategies and uh, and, uh, reinvent as well, uh, understanding the game. Uh, create new strategies and, and perform. So mm. we are using data as well. We are using uh, uh, physio uh, and mental preparation, nutrition mm. now to make the difference on, on stage. So mm. there are similarities, but let's call it sport. sport. Mm. Uh, and, and I think if you look at that, that it, it all boils down to the same thing, that it's human versus human competition. Mm. And I want to either see who comes out the best and on top, or I want to see whether I can be better than the next person and then the next person. Mm. And can me and my team outperform the next and can we progress and and develop? Um, And so, you know, that's where the crux of it all really comes is Mm. that human want and need for competition. With um, Fnatic, I don't know, has anyone here heard of Fnatic before? 
Nice. You've got a few. <laughs> well, one of the most yeah. successful esports teams that's been, and you've been around 15 years, mm-hmm. won multiple trophies, uh, based in London as well. Yeah. I did go to the Fnatic Bunker launch a few mm-hmm. years ago as well, which was something to behold. We can throw a good party as well. Yes, we can throw a good party. But you include like FIFA as well. So, you yeah. know, you cross, how many different teams have you got? We've got, uh, what should we, we have 10 teams. We have 10 teams across nine titles. So we have one title where we have two teams, a North American team and an EU-based team. And where does FIFA sit in that? Because I think for a sports audience especially, yeah, so we look at the sim sports side and because we look at League of Legends or Dota or something like that and go, we have no exactly. idea what's going so on. So I think exactly to your point, FIFA is an interesting one because obviously it's a hugely popular title, one of the most successful video game titles in the world. Uh, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with it. If I were to put it up on the screen right now, you'd have an understanding of what's going on on the screen versus something like League of Legends or Dota like we were just watching. Probably a lot of you had no idea what was going on the screen. So you'd assume off of the back of that, that because it's such a popular video game title, it would be a hugely popular esports title. And that isn't necessarily the case. In terms of Fnatic, I would say that FIFA probably ranks in terms of viewership and in terms of number of tournaments, which then equates to obviously total earnings off of that about fourth in our, in our pecking order, so about middle of the pack. Does that mean it's any less important to Fnatic? No, uh, and there are a number of reasons behind that. Number one, infrastructure. So we have partnered with AS Roma. We essentially run the AS Roma uh, Fnatic FIFA team and they help you know, with anything from salaries to you know, securing visas for us when we need to uh, compete abroad. Um, the other side of things is you know, we have bodies like FIFA, UEFA, all of these big bodies who are now getting invested in it. And when you see that sort of infrastructure, Within, um, within the eSport, you can see that there's appetite for it and then there's room to grow. So there's one side. The second side is that we have to look beyond just like how many people are watching it. You need to look at individual talent the same way that if I'm a traditional football club, I'm not just looking at how many uh, goals a, a potential buyer is going to score. You know, a Cristiano Ronaldo is going to sell X amount of jerseys versus this unknown guy who's up and coming. Same thing for us. We just signed um, a guy called Tex. He's the number one player in the world. He's a 17-year-old kid. We signed him a week later. He won his first tournament for us, so paying dividends immediately. But he himself has arguably, in fact, well, not arguably, he has a larger social following than a lot of our, say, tier one team players. And that brings about a huge amount of opportunity in terms of commercial. FIFA is obviously interesting to brands because they know what it is, they can understand it. And to that point, you know, we're actually running an activation this evening at the Armani store in, in Westfield where he's going to go, he's going to play some games, meet and greet, uh, all around driving uh, football into the store. So it's, it's not all just about the numbers, it's about the, the wider com- commercial opportunity behind these teams. And I would say go along to it, but stay here, have drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, with Renault, you've been in with the F1 side for two years, mm. but you went down a slightly different room in terms of teaming up with Team Vitality, who I was, I was going to say now a big team, probably weren't a big team two years ago when it was kind of a bit of a chance on both teams. Yeah, true. Um, So with Renault and Renault F1 team, we decided to partner with Team Mm. Vitality two years ago. And two years ago, there were only five people five people working for, uh, for Team Vitality. Uh, there were, I think, uh, not that many games. Mm. Um, now they are on te- uh, nine games with 10 teams, uh, mm. more, more or less the same, and they just raised uh, 34 million euros. Mm. They just opened uh, uh, a thousand meter square HQ in, pa- in center mm. Paris. 
they made a partnership with uh, Stade de France, which is the equivalent of Twickenheim, where they are training, uh, you know, uh, e-sport athletes mm. uh, with, uh, you know, uh, all the former uh, athletes and uh, Olympic uh, gold medals uh, as well. And um, so we've made that bet, uh, you know, uh, two years ago, uh, and uh, so far so good. So <laughs> interesting. And we we've created um, so to to let you know, it's, it's kind of new uh, sponsorship structure deal. Mm. So Renault Group as an automaker is sponsor of Team Vitality and Team Vitality is partner of Renault F1 team. And uh, all together we decided to create the Renault Sport Team Vitality, which is a, um, a different entity that competes on Rocket League and on F1 yeah. Sports. Rocket League is basically a game where you, you play football with cars. Uh, so that that's makes sense with uh, with our brand as well. Uh, and on Rocket League, we are world champion this year. It's been, uh, it's been very productive. And on F1 Sports, we just uh, finished fourth in the championship. But um, yeah, so basically the the, the, the the target for, for Renault and Renault F1 team is to drive cross-marketing activation, mm-hmm. uh, help eSport to grow because we, we have vitality a lot with um, you know, nutrition, physio, uh, mental preparation, IT development as well, uh, using the F1 technology uh, back in Enstone. So we have like uh, the, athlete of, uh, the athletes of um, the F1 eSports series that are training at our factory, mm-hmm. uh, at our F1 factory with support from uh, the former physio of uh, Romain Grosjean, who's a F1 driver, and um, and as well as uh, as a support from uh, our IT uh, race team, which is gathering data directly from the game and telemetry from the game mm. to uh, improve the, the setup and help the the e-sport driver to uh, mm. to perform uh, and uh, and drive uh, performance at the end. So, do you think that's going to help? Because the new iteration of the partnership is another two years, yeah, but not just in those two titles now. So now you're going to be playing probably as many titles yeah. as Fnatic. So we we've been we've been more or less all all the time you know sponsor of uh, all the the teams of Vitality, uh, but we didn't activate that much uh, on uh, on these teams. And now it is something we want to expand. Mm-hmm. We want to expand in China. We want to expand in Brazil, which are important markets mm-hmm. for the brand. Mm-hmm. But as well as uh, as uh, as we want to uh, support this team. Uh, with our uh, R&D uh, knowledge of, uh, of Formula One and uh, help them to, uh, with providing you know, physio training, the same training as uh, F1 athletes and, uh, and uh, nutrition advice, sleeping advices as well as we got the experience of training drivers uh, to deal with jet lag as well because they travel all over the world, 22 locations uh, in Formula One next year. Uh, but esports, you know, esports athletes travel all over the world as well. There are competitions in Korea, in China, uh, in the US as well, and they they need to manage this. You know, they need to uh, manage their sleep. Uh, they need to manage what they eat. They need to manage how they train or they stretch. There are plenty of stuff to um, you know how to support a, a Formula One team, uh, an esports team, <laughs> and uh, it's similar at the end. But uh, but yes, so so we use the storytelling to. Uh, which is consistent at the end uh, to uh, to drive cross marketing activation and then uh, you know uh, drive brand awareness and uh, and brand preference at the end. 
but uh, it's something which uh, which uh, passionate uh, a lot of people you know within Renault F1 team but also within the Renault group and uh, and this is what we push uh, at the end uh, as uh, as we said earlier uh, it's also to drive uh, new clients new customers new, new fans as well so uh, this is uh, this is what you do it feels like quite an authentic kind of embedded way of coming into it you're not just kind of putting yeah. name badges on things but it's not working anymore uh, you know you cannot put just a brown on, on a car or a browning on a jersey it's 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 not working anymore you, you have to drive you know new storytelling you are you have to not only involve you know marketing budget but involve communication involve uh, R&D involve you know uh, all all the structure of the, all the departments of your company has to have to be involved at the end because this is how you, you draft performance in a, in a, in a sponsorship uh, deal. Mm. So, uh, some of the rewards you get from it, from, well, I don't know if anyone's seen the DHL yeah, so example. I think a few years ago, so eSports was popping up in very corporate, non-endemic you know, companies that are very au fait with sports sponsorship and kind of panicking like, well, this is where the generation is going and we need to just get our logos out there and start, you know, that's how they saw marketing. Um, not DHL, uh, but other brands. And, and, you know, that kind of was frustrating for us as people trying to innovate and grow the industry and really open it up to the general mass audience of, you know, anyone that likes gaming in the world. We had to have these very serious conversations of like, okay, your ROI isn't to lift units of your cars straight away or, or you know, get people to use your service straight away and you've, you know, you're in it for the long term, but just putting logos isn't a genuine activation. Mm -hmm. So we started and we found ourselves, particularly as ESL, one of the, you know, the companies willing to take risks in, in those kind of sponsorship uh, activations is saying, look, we know how best to speak to this community. We've been speaking to this community from day one. We are the community. Everyone that works in this company sees themselves as part of one of those very big esports communities. Let's train you and teach you on how and where your brand sits within that and how you can actually get a very authentic authentic reaction back and create a fan out of your brand mm. and so ESL1 Birmingham um, is one of our flagship uh, tier one events it was the first time a major which is like a top tier esports event had come to the UK uh, and that usually means by that publisher Valve it has to have a million dollar prize pool we did that in Arena Birmingham and their key interest was because they're also doing the Commonwealth that they felt that esports also fitting nicely um, but there is where we launched the DHL international partnership with ESL and all the partners were getting really annoyed. Intel were there, Mercedes were there, PaySafe card were there. They're getting really frustrated and coming up to you know the likes of me directly. Why aren't we getting what they're getting? And what they were getting was the whole arena. It's nuts, and I can't explain it. And Forbes did a piece and said, "How do you do this?" I was like, "I don't know." Um, over 10,000 fans every day, different fans coming in and out, screaming DHL repeatedly and getting excited every time we do. And in sponsorship with Intel, no one would care. Mercedes, no one would care. DHL, and you would hear, Ooh, and then everyone would go, Wah! and you knew that was when the, everyone backstage was like, DHL is about to come up, because you could hear it rumbling. What we did was just really simple social media activations and in-stage activations using their brand and just having a gentle touch point, a soft introduction into the community. And now we've gone full blown. But it's that whole shift and Renault's done a really good way of doing that as well, not just sticking their logo on everything and going, okay, well, it makes sense for us to be part of F1 and, and you know, Rocket League, which is very clever. 
but it's also looking at your brand values, which is a big problem that we have, is how do you get sponsorship for the really big titles that might not be ethically seen correct for a, a generic brand, right? Yeah, I think that, just get touching on that, I mean, in terms of the storytelling side of things, this is very much, I mean, it's a sort of 16 to 34 year old audience. It's like that audience that is used to consuming what they want, when they want. You know, they're very adverse to sort of like having messaging shoved down their throat. So it's about finding that natural way mm -hmm. of telling a story of how, you know, your product benefits them. So I think, you know, the DHL example yes. is like, is the case study we use in esports, like literally entire stadium chanting DHL. Something that we did recently uh, for, for Jack Links. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of Jack Links. Uh, that was our mission to try and uh, spread awareness. They're a beef jerky brand, not big in Europe. Uh, but the way we did it was that they wanted to market to those to, to, to our audience. What was the way that we positioned it? Okay, beef jerky is inherently non-crumbly and non-greasy, which is perfect for gamers, right? How do we tell that story? Do we just make it an advert that tells that? No. They were very, uh, you know, sort of forgiving and allowed us to create the narrative where we created this sort of like a, a sort of tongue-in-cheek joke video where essentially we had a, a massive bowl of spaghetti spilled on a keyboard and talked about our messing gaming. There was a whole narrative behind it where we sent out surprise boxes to our biggest fans who had purchased uh, keyboards of us with a, a cleaning kit courtesy of Jack Links. And it's just about showing that, that story and, you know, there needs to be a perceived user benefit for the brand to speak to the esports audience, particularly an esports audience who are very picky uh, about, about the messaging that they receive, I think. Yeah, because I think the general tone is that esports, you know, you know people want to be there because it's a younger generation mm. and that they're very open to messages and they're very brand loyal. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, they're very, very, as you said, picky with what they do it and they will sniff out inauthenticity. And you hear about it straight away. Thanks yeah. Reddit and thanks Twitter and mm. thanks Facebook and no, yeah, any no, other, no, no, any other yeah. quick scrap that idea, throw something else out there. No, um, we, we're lucky that, you know, we kind of have, we've all grown from being able to know what is and isn't right. And some people do it wrong. Um, I recently, oh, I can't remember the esports teams, just partnered with Zippo, the Lito, and they've just basically put their logo on hand warmers and that's basically all they've done. Hand warmers are very popular because hands get quite cold and then you can't operate keyboard and mouse as quickly. Um, which is, you would think initially from the outside looks good, but when there's so much really incredible, incredible activations and genuine results happening, you kind of think, well, that's just going to fall to the wayside and you may have wasted an opportunity. Thank you for getting through to the end of our podcast. This has been an SQN production and you can find out more about what we do by visiting www.sqn.agency. Next week, we get on to the second part of our esports panel with much more for us to dig into. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you enjoy this podcast, then do leave us a rating or review as it really helps other people to find us. Until then, have a great week and we look forward to bringing you more news and thoughts from the world of sports and technology next Thursday. Thursday.